brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up? This is Seth Green, and you are listening to Somewhere in Vegas with Mark, and I am so hot, I would desperately like a glass of water. Please, please, give me some water. This is Cindy Preston, and I'm with Mark on Somewhere in Vegas. Hi, this is Melissa Peterman from CMT's The Singing Bee and the television show Reba, and I have to tell you, I just have to get it off my chest, I love Somewhere in Vegas with Mark. Hi there. This is Faith Roscoe from General Hospital. You're listening to Mark on Somewhere in Vegas. And you better watch out. We know how to find you if you're not listening. Hi, this is Shannon Egan from Whippet. And I love Somewhere in Vegas with Mark. Hey, this is Lee Allen Baker with Somewhere in Vegas. Talking with Mark with a Q. This is Courtney Cronin. You're listening to Somewhere in Vegas with your host, Mark. And I would make sure to listen every week because he's a sure bet. Hey, this is the Money Man. Eddie Money, I got two tickets to Paradise and this. You know what? It's somewhere in Vegas. And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Hi, this is Crystal Kale, and I love Somewhere in Vegas with Mark. Hi, this is Cherry Nunn from Berlin, and you're listening to Mark Somewhere in Vegas. Hi, this is Miracle Lori from Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. There are three flowers in a vase, and I'm listening to Somewhere in Vegas with Mark. Hi, this is Erin Hill, and you are listening to Mark on Blog Talk Radio and Somewhere in Vegas. Mark is a great guy. Hi, this is Sean Pulaski. I'm still trying to figure out Mark Pico's sexuality, but I know you're listening to Somewhere Live in Vegas. Here you go, Mark. I, I'm sorry. I thought you were he, she. I'm sorry. Get out of the tent. Let's get out of here. Hey, this is Lance and Anna from Free Radio and... Anna? And you're listening to Somewhere in Vegas. Yes. My favorite. favorite. My favorite. You know, that's, that's usually what happens with me. I go to Vegas and I get lost, and so I end up somewhere in Vegas. Somewhere in Vegas. But okay. I just don't know where it is. Not quite sure. Yeah, word. Get ready. It's going to be hot. It's in Vegas. Check out Mark. Be there or be square. Welcome to Somewhere in Vegas here on blogtalkradio.com. I'm Mark the Q. I'm your host. I'm very privileged to have an award-winning comedian. Uh, he, um, his, uh, his film, 
uh, Punching the Clown, ended up winning an award, uh, the, the Audience Award at Slamdance. Um, he's also a very talented writer in terms of musicals, and obviously he's a very hilarious comedian um, and uh, singer as well. Um, Henry Phillips is on with us right now. How are you doing, Henry? Hey, doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no problem at all. And um, I'm assuming you're, you're in Vegas right now uh, performing? I am, yeah. I'm currently in a parking structure uh, somewhere on the Strip. Uh, my family decided to come out and watch me perform, which is always weird. Um, you know, to do uh, dirty jokes in front of your mom is kind of odd. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're sort of sightseeing, and I'm just kind of hanging out in a nice, quiet uh, parking structure, so this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it must be interesting for you. This is the first time your family's ever watched you perform, or, I mean, I assume they, they have watched them, at least watched the movie. They haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, they, they've definitely seen the movie. And uh, the movie was a great thing for me because I finally, you know, I've been doing this a long time now. I guess about 94 is when I started. And once the movie was done, I was like, oh, this is great. Now I don't have to explain to people what I do or tell stories about funny things that have happened or try to describe my act. I can just show this to people. And it's 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 kind of nice to have something that you're proud of that that you think expresses exactly who you are and what you do. And just in case anybody out there, not to sound like Mr. Uh, Shameless Plugger here, but it, it's on Hulu now for free. So anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about can see it on Hulu. Yeah, I want to mention that. You know, that experience must have been really fun to be out there at, at the at the Slamdance Film Festival and um, obviously getting the uh, the audience awards. Um, what was it like for you to watch the audience reaction to the film and um, some of the uh, some of the compliments you may have gotten after the film, uh, considering the audience absolutely loved it. Oh, uh, it was incredible! Uh, seriously, one of the best times ever. And, and I, I've done a lot of things, and uh, you know, I've done a couple of late night for spots on uh, TV, and then I've done uh, you know like a half hour special on Comedy Central. And I usually, when one of those would happen, I'd go with my friends to a bar or something, and we'd watch it and. It was okay. I, I don't think I've ever been really that proud of it, but for some reason with the movie, I love it because every time somebody laughs at something, I'll be like, uh, oh, I can't wait till they see this part coming up or whatever. I'm, and I'm just really proud of it and happy with the way everything was executed. By the way, I didn't direct it. I just uh, I wrote it and uh, and starred in it playing myself. And then my buddy Greg Vian directed it. So um, the, the movie, for some reason, was a lot more fulfilling because I think as a comedian... You know, you're you're just uh, going for laughs the whole time, and so when you get that that back, you feel uh, really good. You know, mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, how much? I mean, obviously, you said Greg was directing it, but how much? I mean, a lot of the scenes were, I think, you on stage doing your your set and all that as well. But how much was it was a collaboration between you and Greg and? terms of um, what was going on in the scenes or, or anything like that? Was there, you know, obviously there's a little bit of improv and all that as well, but tell us a little bit about that chemistry between you and Greg. Well, it's, it's a good uh, partnership because his background is actually serious documentary filmmaking, and he was a film professor for years at UCLA, and um, my background is comedy, so we both defer to each other in terms of the other's expertise. Like, for example, I won't tell him what a, a good angle is or what lighting it is, but most of the story, pretty much from beginning to the end of the movie, it's all based on a real thing that happened to me, or at least an exaggeration. So, 
So um, if I see something that looks insincere or I'm like, well, no, that's not the, or, or if I'm like, you know, the funniest part, like I'll give you an example. Right in the very beginning of this movie, there's a, uh, do I have to watch my language on this? I'm just curious. No, you're you're fine. Go ahead. Okay. So so in the uh, in the beginning of the movie, there's this scene where uh, I'm on terrestrial radio and uh, the guy starts playing my demo, and um, I tell him in the middle of him playing it while we're live on the air, I say, hey, you know, this is the word shit in it, so you, you got to be careful. And he goes, all right. Well, what I'll do is I'll turn. Tell me when it comes up, and I'll turn it down, and then you just cover it up by saying poop really quick. And I was like, okay. And uh, so we do it, and then I completely miss the cue, and I jumped right into the microphone and just said, shit. <laughs> you know, right, it was on KFI AM out there in Los Angeles when the real story happened. And um, so we we tried to make that story, uh, to depict that story the best that we could in the movie. And I think... I remember the the real situation so vividly that I was able to pull out all these details, and I was like, the funniest part of the whole thing was that the DJ, after it happened, I kept on saying, well, but it's okay, right? And the DJ was like, no, no, it's it's not okay at all. You know, somebody's going to lose a lot of money on this, you know. And um, But I'm like, but they can go back, right? And then the DJ was like, oh, yeah, they just have a time machine. They go back, and, you know. <laughs> but, uh... Um, if there was ever a moment in shooting that I felt like we were either missing a funny nuance of the real story or if somebody was acting in a way that was, wasn't true to the original story, then I would voice up to Greg about it. And that was mostly my contribution, was just basically making sure that all the jokes landed and that everything was believable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, timing is everything, as they say, and obviously he's coming from more of a serious background, so he must have learned a lot of about comic timing on that from you then on set. Yeah, and also um, when you're a comedian, you know, and I travel for a living, you know, all over the, the country, technically the world, I guess, a little bit too, but um, you you start getting an innate sense of what makes people laugh, you know. Um, you just sort of learn. It's like, oh, well, nobody likes when you say something like that, or people like this better if you wait before you say it. You know, there's just little weird things that you get good at after a while, which could be why uh, it's just such a tradition for um, TV to give a, a comedian a sitcom because, you know, like, I mean, obviously Seinfeld and Romano and Kevin James, but going back to, like, Bob Newhart, they were probably just like, well, well, this guy's already making people laugh, and we want a show that makes people laugh, so why don't we just get this guy, you know, and then do the whole thing? And there's a lot of uh, merit to that because those guys do know how to make people laugh, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a hit or miss thing, too. I mean, there were a lot of comedians that have gotten sitcoms that didn't even last, you know, maybe the first episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and who knows why that happens. Uh, maybe they weren't funny to begin with. <laughs> no, I don't know. There's so many uh, monkey wrenches that can be thrown into the system there, but um, but yeah, uh, that the movie was definitely a highlight in my entire career at this point, and I'm happy to announce I just found this out uh, since we scheduled our second uh, appearance is that it looks like we're going to be shooting the sequel in November. So awesome. we're going to shoot a sequel for the movie. Yeah, we've been trying to raise the financing for it. Uh, 
independently and um we've finally done it you know we're working with a couple of producers that uh that saw us at slam dance actually and that have been fans for six years of this movie and now finally after all this talk we're going to make it and we've got a whole script that happened six years after the uh the other one and um pretty much uh the same thing happens again <laughs> but uh but in a whole different genre. Instead, it's a, a guy who wants to make a TV show about me because he heard about what a pathetic story I had about L.A. And then I wound up having another pathetic story. And uh, But it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to try to do things a little bit differently. Um, if I have any regrets about the first movie, it's that we didn't quite push the envelope just as much. I think we were so reacting to over-the-top comedy that we might have aired a little bit too conservative, you know, in terms of, like, you know, I, I think we could have gone a little further, you know, like when I'm getting beat up in the Batman costume. And there's some funny physical things that I think could have happened there that we didn't really uh, do. And uh, I think in the new script we're going we're gonna to play with that a lot more. Well, well, I'm I'm glad to hear it. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be mainly, but probably sounds like it's probably mainly shot in L.A. But you know, it'd be interesting to see you yeah. shooting a couple of scenes up here in Vegas, though, too. Um, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, what came first, the singing or or was it the comedy? Uh, it was always music for me. Ever since I was eight years old, I started playing the guitar, and uh, I I don't think I realized it, but uh, until I was in my early 20s or, or maybe even later, the people were always kind of laughing at me, you know. <laughs> like I was I was kind of a guy going for laughs all the time while I was a musician. I, I never thought for one second that I would try to make a living doing it, but um, there was a couple of good friends of mine that I played in bands with that really encouraged me. They were like, because I, I started doing these songs to make them laugh, just for fun. I would put messed up lyrics to some of my folk songs that I already had. And uh, they'd be like, man, if you went up and did this, like at one of these open mic nights at a coffee house or something, I think people would go crazy. And uh, I took their advice, and I started doing open mic nights, and it really did go well the first few shows that I did. And, and it, that was enough to get me hooked. And, uh, you know, it's been 20 years since then, but... Um, and I would say about 10 years of that, uh, probably from about 2000, oh gosh, well, <laughs> it can't have started there. Um, I'm trying to think, there, there was a, a certain era, yeah, probably about 2002 to 2010 or so, where I really didn't feel like I was, you know, I... I knew exactly what I was doing, but now I really do, and, you know, unfortunately, during that time was the half-hour special, and we shot the movie, and I think that after the movie came out, I had a lot more confidence, because it was really well-received by critics, and also a whole new generation of comedians. Um, I hope I didn't ramble too much from your original thing, but yeah, the music was definitely the thing, and then comedy just started happening, um, because people were telling me that they thought I was funny, you know. Well, you talk about the idea of, of, of learning during that during that time, you know, and and you know, you know, not feeling as confident as you were. Um, were there were there like any comedians that were were giving you advice or you're kind of mentoring you in terms of uh, in terms of comedy coming in? Um, yeah, it was a weird time. I mean, all of a sudden in the middle of the 2000s, 
like comedy just really hit hard. Like I don't know if it was partly with Dane Cook with the MySpace thing and then the half hour specials, um, Nick Sportson and uh Lynch and Mike Rabiglia and those guys uh, were just knocking it out of the park. I felt like I was just sort of like in no man's land as sort of the opening act for bigger comedians or maybe headlining smaller rooms. And I didn't really feel very well defined. But I do have to say that uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be friends with some of the funniest comedians out there. I mean, Doug Stanhope is the guy who got me my start, you know, uh, in uh, comedy. I mean, he he was the one in 99 that took me to the Houston Laugh Stop, and that started everything for me. And um, he and I have always stayed in contact, and he's always been a great guy to watch because he just gave up on the whole club system and just started going to bars and doing his show in bars or like here in Vegas at Tommy Rockers, you know. Um, and uh, so he just sort of said F you to the whole comedy club system and then started doing that. And then that, that's worked out amazingly for him. And now he's doing whatever venue he wants. Um, there's a, a lot of other friends that I have. My friend Drew Hastings is always very influential to me. Um, uh, I mean, comics really can be the most interesting specimen of people because they're all, whether they're right-wing or left-wing or whatever, they're all very independently thinking people um, that probably chose this job because they didn't want to have a boss. And uh, it it is nice to have the advantage of being able to talk to those guys as your friends because everybody's sort of finding their own way. Um, The guys that I always really liked... Uh, definitely those guys, but also Louis C.K. I liked a lot. Another guy who was always one of my favorites was uh, a guy named Arch Barker, who's a big star in uh, Australia now. But uh, he's an amazing comedian. Um, and Nick Swartzen as well. I always loved uh, Nick Swartzen too. When it came to uh, when it came to your music, what kind of what kind of influences did you have when you were were getting started, and uh, you know when you were in the bands and stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, I was uh, somewhere in my early teens, I started discovering uh, metal. And so I was a huge Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Zeppelin, all that uh, British invasion stuff, you know, like the uh, Maiden and Judas Priest and everything. And so I was like way heavy into that. And then I think in my late teens, I just started changing and uh, getting so far into guitar but I was like, well, what else is out there? And I started getting into classical music, and then I started listening to a lot of singer-songwriter stuff. So I think where it met my comedy act is when I started listening to a lot of, uh, you know, like Don McLean or Billy Joel, James Taylor, those kind of things, Neil Diamond. Um, it's kind of like that wear your heart on your sleeve kind of folk music, but it, it takes itself so seriously sometimes that it's almost impossible not to make fun of it, you know? Um, and then there were also guys that had a sense of humor in their music, like Tom Waits had, had already set a precedent for doing basically novelty music as a solo singer-songwriter. The piano has been drinking, you know, um, and so many great songs. Um, ben Folds, I liked a lot. Um, he kind of did that same thing where it's just sort of like the lyrics were just kind of jumping off the page, but it, the music sounded beautiful, you know. Um, so uh, those are definitely some of the influences. 
Yeah, Neil Diamond, especially during the 70s when he was doing that kind of uh, string section stuff. Uh, I have a song called L.A. Dream um, that's out there on iTunes, and uh, it's it's basically an homage to that kind of like I Am I Said or Hello Again or one of those Neil Diamond songs. It's kind of like uh, epically self-indulgent. <laughs> I, I believe I believe it's called Blue Eyed Bull. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, no, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, on the flip side of that, I mean, do you still write any serious music, or are you, are, are you always doing comedy? The closest that I've come to it, and I don't know, if, if people go to my website, you can see I have a whole instructional cooking series that I've been doing called Henry's Kitchen. And... Um, it's kind of like uh, the, the way that I used to make fun of the folk singers that I would do at coffee houses. Now this this Henry's Kitchen is making fun of uh, the YouTube videos that if you browse, you know, if you put in, you know, I want to learn how to make, uh, you know, beef stroganoff or something. There's going to be some middle-aged man teaching you how to do it in their attic or in their closet or whatever, and it's just ridiculous. So I'm kind of doing a parody of that, and. I started putting music to it, like really sad, over-the-top, melancholy kind of sad music. There's something about sad music with a middle-aged man trying to teach you how to cook that just makes me laugh. But at the same time, I want the music to be really good. So after I did about 20 of these episodes, I put out an album called Let's Get Suicidal. And... uh it's not really, it, it's definitely a, a joke, and the whole thing is tongue-in-cheek, but to be honest with you, a lot of those songs I really wrote in serious, a serious state of mind. So the answer is, yeah, there is an outlet for me to do regular music, and I was using some of my knowledge of string arrangement and like jazz uh, chord changes and stuff like that. Because I, I do love music and I like to compose it, but I, I think the days of me actually writing a serious, 100% serious song might be over. I just don't feel it. You know, I, I feel like it's too far away from me. I'd always have to have some kind of a joke in there. Although I, it's amazing, I listen to songs like Bob Dylan's uh, "The Hurricane." That's not me. I mean, I would love, I would love to be able to write a song that's that powerful and effective. I just. Uh, I've never been that kind of guy. The same way I'm not Doug Stanhope as a comedian. You know, I, I admire it, but you got to go with what you are. You know. <laughs> I want to mention that that uh, the, the CD which you can you can buy on HenryPhillips.com. There's a link to it, um, and you should be no, be noted that you had you actually had an alter ego do the album and not necessarily yourself. Yes, it's called Jose Suicidio. And uh, you know what's funny about it is I forgot. I never even thought about it, but th- I don't even have my name anywhere on the album. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, man, what? I don't even. I should have done that because because I've had people actually say like, hey, man, I'm trying to find this CD years and I can't find it. You would have to go to henryphillips.com, and that's the only way you would know it's me. But um, yeah, so nothing says Henry on it, you know. But um. My two favorite albums, in case people are interested, are L.A. Dream and uh, and uh, Let's Get Suicidal. I think between those two, you kind of know what I'm all about. <laughs> now, um, kind of going back to the movie thing, um, you know, had, did you have to uh, do any ADR? Did you have to go and do any 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 tracks 
um, in, in in studio for for the uh, for the movie? Uh, are you talking about for the uh, live performance stuff, or just in general? Oh, just in general. Yeah, we we did, and um, it's really funny how we did this movie too, because the director and I both just have our laptops. And he would just call me and say, hey, I need you to say this line because it didn't come out. And then I would just say it into my microphone at home and send him an MP3 of it. Or in some cases, uh, if there was a song playing, for example, and uh, he wanted to intercut a radio station interview and then go back to the song, he didn't want the music to stop but you didn't want to have lyrics going on. So he would call me and say, can you just play the chords for the song so that way I can cut and I can underscore the radio. So I, I actually did a lot of stuff that way. Yeah, there, there was about, I think, eight months of post-production on this thing, trying to get it right. Uh, we finished the principal shooting in uh, February of uh, 2008, and it premiered at the Slamdance Film Festival in February of 2009. So there's a whole year there of editing and post-production. And uh, there was a lot of that, and which I think there is on every movie, but ours was a lot more piecemeal because we, it, I think on a, on a mainstream uh, movie, you would have a whole studio session that's dedicated to uh, the actors coming in and, uh, you know, ADR and stuff like that. But with us, it was just sort of like he'd call me and say, hey, can you just say thank you very much into the microphone? And so I was like, okay. And I'd send it to him, and then he'd be like, well, it sounds like you're too close. Can you say it like five feet away or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, well... We took thinking, advantage of the technology a lot. Yeah, because, you know, I'm kind of also interested that you guys didn't do a soundtrack for that first movie. I mean, is that something you may consider this time around? Yeah, the, the director kept wanting that, but I was like, well, then it would just be my CDs because, I mean, those songs are basically already out on my CDs. So if you want to listen to, for example, uh, the bitch song, then it's just, you go to iTunes and it's the bitch song. Because um, we did talk about that. I guess it's because now, now that everybody's just sort of downloading stuff track by track or streaming it, the idea of having a soundtrack, as cool as I always thought that was, it just seems like the purpose. So now it would be just as another CD that's interfering with, that's confusing the issue, you know. But uh, maybe we'll think about doing that for the next one. I don't know. Because I mean, I mean, are you thinking about possibly doing new material on the in the new movie? I mean, that seems to be, you know, that seems to be something that I think people want. Yeah, new material. Oh yeah. Well. Um, the question, well, the, the thing is, there's a lot of songs that weren't on the first movie. There's probably going to be about eight or nine songs on the new movie. They'll definitely not be from the first movie, but they will be uh, most likely songs that I've released, like my Oops song, which is on L.A. Dream, but there's no live version of it, so that'll be fun. Um, Threesome in Heaven. There's a lot of songs that really didn't get a lot of exposure, but uh, the reason I want to do those songs is because the, the, mo the movie will probably... For one thing, I think they're better songs than, than other ones that I have, and also they fit uh, thematically with what we're doing in the movie. And um, I just think uh, they're, they're probably going to get the kind of response that we're looking for. We'll probably do it like we did the first movie where we just did a live show 
an hour live show and recorded it and then interspersed that throughout the movie. Now, um, you know, when it comes to writing a, a writing a song for your set, um, do you? Um, is it kind of obvious that you write the the, the lyrics first, or is or sometimes do you have a melody in mind and then figure out the the uh, the um, lyrics then? Um, it's more. It's like a matchup thing. Like I have, I have at any given time, I probably have about twenty melodies going through my head that are just waiting to be used for something, and. Uh, Every once in a while, something will happen where I'm like, oh, that's a good idea for a song. So what I'll do then is I'll be like, which one of my various melodies would that fit into? Um, it's kind of like a guy who does parody songs, you know, where you listen to a famous song, you know, like uh, Margarita Phil, and say, okay, how about Diarrhea Phil, or whatever. But the nice part about it is that I don't have to pick famous songs because I already have so many... Un- songs of my own that nobody's ever heard so they are original songs but uh i'll be like uh like a great example would be um i had a song uh years ago that i had written to a girl in a state of heartbreak or whatever and it was so corny you know it was back when i was like 20 and i sent it to the girl on a cassette tape and uh it's embarrassing um I would love to find that cassette tape, but uh, I never did anything with that song. Then years later, I'd become a comedian, and I was listening to Billy Joel's song, uh, Just, or no, uh, what's the song? Um, Always a Woman to Me, where he talks about when she lies and she steals like a thief, but she's only, always a woman to me. And I was like, um, wouldn't it be funny if there was sort of the reverse? It's like, well, this girl, she was brought up in a beautiful part of town. She, her family loved her, everything, richest country in the world. Somehow she's a bitch anyway. And that was the, the idea that I had for a song. And I thought, well, what would be a... Now I need a melody. So I started going back, and I was like, oh, that that one that I wrote for that girl years ago, that would be perfect, because it was already written to be this schmaltzy, serious song. And then as it turned out, that song wound up being a big score for me. And I think it's because of the, uh, the uh, what's the word, um, the genuine nature of it. It's like that, that song was written to be a serious song. I just came up with a, a comedy idea for it years later. But that's, that's the process that I usually aim for. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, really interested in, um, you know, we could probably talk for another half an hour, but I know, yeah, I want to get back to your family. Um, you know, I really, really, hopefully we'll get you back, uh, right before the movie, uh, you know, maybe premieres at Sundance again. Um, but I want to mention, uh, you guys can check out Henry over at the uh, improv over at Harrah's, uh, this weekend. Um, highly recommend you do so. Um, like I said, Henry Phillips, uh, Henry Phillips, uh, dot com. You guys can check out his CDs and check out the, uh, chip, um, you can check out, uh, Punch the Clown that's currently up on Hulu. Um, anything else that you want to add, Henry, at all? Um, yeah, Punching the Clown, and also I want to make sure that on, um, on on my henryphillips.com there's a section that says videos, and, uh, I like it when people watch the Henry's Kitchen thing, because people seem to really get a uh, kick out of it, that was a Freudian slip, cook out of it, uh, they get a kick out of it, and, uh, I think that's a good way to to quickly, uh, get an idea of what I'm all about. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's like a little link on the side of there that says YouTube, and just click on that. I'm pretty sure that'll that'll take you to the video. Yeah, and also on video, there's a videos tab where it's got all the playlists mm-hmm. and stuff. So. Um. And also, also I want to mention you can follow him on Twitter at HenLips, um, and over on yes. Facebook as well. Um, so make sure you guys check that out as well. Um, Henry, absolutely. And the improv is a fun time. The improv yeah. is a great club. Uh, I, I always, this is my second time through, and I gotta say that. I don't know if it's Vegas or what it, whatever it is, but for some reason everybody's in a good mood and we all have a good time. I can't say that about every club that I've been to. Yeah, the clubs here seem to be very, very good about about treating their comedians very well, and um, you know it just shows that how many uh, people come out here and and do their stuff. So it's really great to be able to to see that you you're uh, enjoying yourself, and hopefully uh, you'll be back here soon after this uh, after this time around. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. I look forward. Like I said, I look. Well, let's keep to in that. touch, and I'll, I'll keep you posted about the movie for sure. Oh, definitely. Um, I look forward to hearing about it, and um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely, if you guys haven't checked out Punch the Clown on on Hulu, please do so. Um, always a pleasure, Henry, and I uh, will talk to you soon. All right, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Henry. All right, bye. Bye. Henry Phillips, everybody. You guys can check him out. Um, HenryFlips.com, like I said, you can buy his CDs, uh, watch, you know, look at them, check out the movie, check out his videos, uh, Henry's Kitchen, um, and all that as well, um, plus where you can find him on social media, so make sure you guys check that out as well. Um, we, I'll let you guys know what's going on on Monday. Um, we'll try to book uh, somebody really cool um, coming up on Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. With that in mind, uh, please go to VegasPodcasting.com. Check it out. I need to update the site so you guys can see some of the uh, past stuff that we had over the past couple weeks. Um, With that in mind, we'll see you guys uh, next week, next Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Talk to you then. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.